Two games on tap tonight, Colorado and St. Louis. We talked to Darren Pang about that one. And now let's dive into the Sunshine State. Let's do it. Let's bring in Ed Jovanovsky, former NHL player, doing uh, Panther TV for Bailey Sports. Jovo, how are you, pal? Hey, guys. How you doing? Okay. Just game one in the best of seven, but people are talking about a must-win situation for the Florida Panthers at home. Agree? Um, I would say so. I think any time you know you don't want to be heading into, uh, in this case, Tampa's building, being down uh, 0-2 with, with um, you know, obviously with even more so momentum going in their favor. So you definitely want to you find a way tonight to, um, you know, to even up the series. Jova, what did you think went wrong in the first game? Just, you know, to my eye, I thought that Florida didn't take particular care with the puck. Um, you know, they, they like to take some chances. Well, what was it that stood out for you that, uh, that, that set them on the wrong course? Well, I think once again, a little bit on the perimeter. I think this team is so effective when, when they are skating. Sorry, my dog's barking at me. That's okay. We've had Gord Stellick um, uh, at a dog pound once. We're, you're fine. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, just through the neutral zone, this team is so effective when they're moving their feet and um, and getting these rushes off, you know, chances off the rush. And I think, um, you know, this playoffs and it's even even last game, but more so even the Washington series, you know, they had a difficult time doing that. And, um, you know, I think also when you look at it, when they're up one nothing, they had a brief five on three, didn't get a sniff. And, you know, trying to force things, you know, through the box. Huberto a couple times, kind of breaking his stick on the bench, really frustrated. So, you know, now at 0 for 21, you're not going to get through Tampa, you know, having this lackluster power play that has gone 0 for, and, and your penalty kill was 50% last game. So, you know, you kind of mixed everything together. I think there's in every area this team knows there that can be better. Having said that, I think five on five, they were decent, you know, but when your power play is not working and your penny penalty kills not clicking, you know, you have to, you got to find ways elsewhere to kind of pick it up. I know it's early in this series, but is, is there a, a less edge than we saw last year in, in terms of the physicality and would that play better for Florida or would they have to ramp that up a little bit more? Uh, and make this a little bit more personal or ugly against Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, you might you might have to, and I, and I, what you've seen throughout Florida, watching them, you know, this year, you know, they can play any which way you want. I mean, they have the bodies. I think Marchman is a big loss for this team right now. I think he's a guy that really gets in on the forecheck, disturbs the play down low. Um, but they do have Lomberg. They have guys that get in on the uh, on the rush. Bennett as well. So they can play that way, but I think this team, if it's not going that way, I think they're going to stay away from from that and, and try to win the game with their, you know, with their speed. But I think they have to, you know, from the get go tonight, I think establish their identity, you know, very quick, and try to maintain that through sixty or so minutes. You mentioned that uh, power play of theirs that's struggling so much. What's going on there that's like not working? Do they often run five forwards out there? I feel like they did that for a while and maybe went away from that in this in the first game. 
Well, they they were kind of going back and forth, and I think what we you know during the during the first game, uh, they were on the perimeter on the half on the half boards Huberto, and they always go to that low play or they kind of try to go through the seam. Well, Tampa does such a good job with their sticks and body positioning that nothing was even even remotely getting through. They would bounce it out back top to Ekblad. He was getting his shots blocked, and they weren't really kind of – they weren't even grabbing momentum off the power play. They were actually feeding Tampa's momentum. And then towards the end of the game when they needed a goal, they went to the five forwards, and they snapped it around good. It just – they weren't generating much, and it's, it's kind of mind-boggling because you look at the talent that's out there – not to create anything from it has kind of been puzzling, but they have to find they have to find it, um, you know, tonight, you know, throughout this series because it's I don't think they're going to go over this series and and then find a way to win it. And Jova, what is it with Kucherov and his love to just light up the Florida Panthers? <laughs> because we're watching him against Toronto, and you're like, yeah, he's. I thought he was better than that. And now you watch him in game one and it's like, oh my God, Ekblad, that poor guy, he's like still right. looking for his jock strap. Right. I, and you know what? And, and I got a few text messages came through. Boy, Kucherov came to play. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, sometimes when you give these star players time and space or they embarrass you. And, and I think for uh, one of the, probably the messages that you have to kind of relate to your team. I'm sure Bruno's done that is, you know, every opportunity you can, you know, to give him a whack or, or just kind of stay close to him. And, you know, you have to, because you give this guy speed like he had through there and, you know, Ekblad kind of leading, we all been there before, right. You know, leaning one way and he kind of goes the other way, you know, on you and, you know, but yeah, certainly he's he's a guy that uh, was really dangerous on the half boards. That shot he let go, um, he was in the play a lot, and it almost seems like he almost makes the decision kind of before the game: do I want to show up or do I <laughs> or do I don't? Right. You know, kind of. Can I? I saw him. You know, you know, throughout the year at times, and and you're yeah, you know, he's there. You know, not too engaged, not too involved, but. You know, watching him last game, boy, they better be aware of him tonight. You know, if we were, uh, if Florida was in Toronto and uh, and the the top guys were not producing, it would be a major talking point. Um, I don't know how you feel about the play of the top guys, Huberto and Barkov, so far. I don't believe they have a pile of points so far. Have have they been effective at least so far in the postseason? Well, I think towards the end of the Washington series, you saw a little bit more of uh, Barky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, I played with both of these guys. They're my buddies. I, I've said it on, on a lot of outlets that you need more out of Huberto, plain and simple. I mean, he's had a tremendous year, and this team is only going to go as far as this guy goes. Verhege kind of carried the load in, in round one. And these guys need to kind of step up their game. And they know it, and they expect it. Others. It's no secret, you know, what they need to do. You just got to work a little harder and get in those areas where they're tough and and they're capable of doing it. They've embarrassed defensemen on a nightly basis. And, you know, now that the playoffs are here, it's a little tighter checking. You have to work that much more for your space. But they certainly have the ability to do that, and they're relied on. And, and I think a lot of um, those tough questions are, are, are not really asked in, in this market. But, mm. you know, people that are kind of around knowing – you know, the game more, they're just, you know, they're kind of asking that question. And, and, but the good thing about it is I think the players are, 
they know they got more, and I'm hearing that out of their mouths as well. We're talking to Ed Jovanovsky, former NHL defenseman, Panther TV analyst for Bally Sports. And uh, Jovo, you know this area here in, in Toronto and uh, well enough to know that uh, the Sammies of the world were awfully nervous about going into this first round, that um, almost negative type of energy that just naturally follows. And I'm wondering now for Panther fans who just came off a disappointing first round uh, against Tampa last year where they dropped the first two games at home. If you go into uh, tonight going, uh oh, like, here we go again. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I think it's human nature to, to feel that way. Um, I, you know, this team has had a great year and they've had success against Tampa. You know, come playoff time, it's a different animal. And this team is, is battle-tested. They're, they're experienced. Their goaltender seems to pick it up from Game 7 in Toronto. He's, he made a couple huge saves in Game 1 to really kind of keep the game where it was. So I think, you know, you can't let all these little things get in your head. And, oh, yeah, Tampa's got our number. Because Florida can play against them. They had a great series against them last year. Went six. It could have went either way. The game one, they kind of pissed away. You know, look at some scenarios could have went differently, but you know, it's a game of, you know, inches in the playoffs. It's that odd mistake that'll end up costing you. It's your special teams that if they're not clicking could bite you. And we kind of saw that in game one. We saw a little bit of it in the, in the first series, but collectively as a group, everybody's got to give that, you know, percentage more, you know, to be, to be, uh, you know, effective. You can't look to Bobrovsky and, and say, listen, we need better goaltender. He's been great. Mm-hmm. You know, defensively needs to tighten up a little bit. The offense needs to create through the neutral zone a little bit better and a little bit more offensive time. You know, this team has been a team that kind of hems groups, you know, in the offensive zone for 45 to a minute and a half at times. Now it seems like it's a one and done and they're off to defend most of the night. So it's not characteristic of this group, kind of what we're seeing. And lastly, you know, through the Washington series, we're getting through that series. You thought maybe a little bit of kind of monkey off their back. They can free up a little bit, kind of the same start last game, seven, eight minutes, a little timid, little kind of on the perimeter. They got the lead and they just couldn't hold on to it. How have the uh, deadline uh, additions played for Florida so far, uh, Sherratt and, uh, and Giroux? Well, they figured in on, on the big goal that, uh, that won the overtime with Verhage in Washington. So towards the end of that series, they were good. Listen, Giroux's, Drew's a veteran, has been around a lot. He's got a lot of playoff experience. We know what his responsibilities are. He's really good on the faceoffs. Mm-hmm. He's a playmaker. Um, you know, Sherratt adds that depth on the back end. You know, gives them a solid four. But, uh, yeah, I think they, they, they've they've come in. They played well. I mean, nothing. Sherratt's kind of that stay-at-home guy, gets up the ice. And that's the thing with the with the Panthers' defense. They're all pretty agile group. They all get the puck up the ice and skate. They're all that fourth or fifth attacker. But, you know, as we know, one guy or two guys can't do it collectively. I think as a group of five, they got to work together better. And I think they'll create more. One addition for the Panthers uh, wasn't at the trade deadline. It came uh, off uh, the IR, and that's Aaron Eckblad. I know I talked 
about him getting beat by uh, Kucherov, but that would have been probably 99% of the defensemen in the league at that point. But overall, is is his play been well enough for you to say that he can be a difference maker? We've all come off injuries like that, man. It's hard. Yeah, it is, Kipper. I mean, I mean, especially as a defenseman missing, you know, 20 or so games and now, you know, coming into the in, into the playoffs, I think he got those six games versus Washington. A little sluggish early on, but was a lot better towards the end. Was a key part of them winning that series. Um, but yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna need to elevate his game, just like a lot of other guys. You know, need to. You got to be that horse when he's on his game. He's got his almost like the headman for for Tampa. He can control the pace of the game. And that's what's made him so effective, I think, throughout his career, especially the last couple of years where you see him evolve into an elite defenseman. He's had that to his game. So it's always tough. Yeah, like last game where he gets beat. That's who ended my career doing that move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how many times you go inside, outside on me? I mean, I mean, if I saw him in Vegas one time, I said, do I feel bad for me, bro? <laughs> you know, you know, but you know when you're when you start leaning one way and, the, and a guy's so good on his edges like Kucherov is, sometimes you just gotta just kind of yes. tip your hat. Oh, tip your hat a big tip! A nice move. You're absolutely you know, right. Uh, it happens. Jovo, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully, uh, it bodes well for uh, Panther fans, and we can get uh, six or seven good games out of uh, both these uh, clubs. Thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks so much. Ed Jovanovsky, former NHLer and now a Panther analyst. So one of the things that I did here, and this is where I'm going to pull that um, famous Doug McLean line. I'm not telling you it's true. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. That one of the reasons why the Florida Panthers look have looked like they're all in is because that uh, there's the, some thoughts that they may be for sale. Hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The Cats? The, yeah, Florida Panthers. Oh, for sale, huh? Send them yeah. to Hamilton. So maybe the, the price is better when you're winning a Stanley Cup. Part of the reason you get Ben Chirot and Claude Giroux and push yeah. all the chips in the middle? Yes. Well, you know, Move them he... to Markham so I can shoot another team. <laughs> <laughs> so I can jump ship. Hey, how about me asking the question about those top guys? He's pretty honest on Huberto. Huberto has a goal and two goal and three assists for, okay. uh, for four points yeah. in seven games. Yeah. People are talking about him for the Hart Trophy this year. I know. Guy's got a, yeah. It's and crazy that he, he played it up this year. Points on points on points. It really surprised me that Jovo played with him. At yeah, the end that of his caught me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess Huberto's been around for a while now. And this is, mm-hmm. this is when you're a superstar, and he is. You're happy you're in Florida right now. Yeah. Oh man. Imagine being in Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton. having the year that he had, games. having the year that he had, and then producing those numbers. Going into game two of the second round. Yeah, and Barkov's got two goals. He's got six points. That's a little bit better. Uh, and no well, points it's are never good. <laughs> it's I ha- a, thank you. I have to say, I have this feeling of, you know, watching Tampa on those Monday night. No, sorry. Yeah. Watching Kucherov. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. Watching t- Tampa and Kucherov and just everybody. And they played badly in the first period and kind of took it to the 
did, and then did, they 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 uh, hit the switch. Did the Le- did Lightning play bad against the Leafs? The or Leafs did the Leafs play no, no. well against the Listen, Lightning? With the Lightning just warming up that's, against the Leafs, that's the thought that went through my mind. It's like the Leafs had the chance. Kucherov they, was apparently sick. By they the way, they caught them when they week. they caught them when they weren't playing very well. Like they, there was a chance. They, they had such a great chance. Well, no, uh, no curse word. Didn't they had a chance? Didn't Vasilevsky also say that earlier in the season that they weren't kind of emotionally like in and just engaged enough, and now yeah. they're starting to. Well, here's what the problem with this Tampa team is: they just may run out of bodies. Like mm-hmm. Braden Point is hurt. Anthony Cirelli was hurt. Eric Chernak is hurt. They're going eleven and seven. Braden Point's the big one. Braden Point's a big but loss. This is where you slide in Nick Paul, and he ain't no point. But it's not like it's looking horrible right now for them when he's in the the, the second hole. Yeah, no, he, the, he the second spot. Yeah, no, he's. He's been good for them. It is. I do just wonder if they can keep it up. There's a reason he's not normally that high up the lineup. But, but like, this Florida team doesn't. Don't they smell a bit like Toronto to you? Yeah. And there's a. To me, there's a clear path for Tampa to go to the final. Like I think they can beat Carolina. Carolina's a good team, but they. But that'd be a good series. Like I really do think the the three peat is on the table now after watching that first game. I, I I do think this could be a short series. If you if you're oh wow if you're a coach and you close the door to talk to your Florida Panthers team, I think you bring up that this team has gone on three straight runs now. This Tampa team, the bone. they are we, tired, beat up, and we are going to be butchers. And by the way, we did have that discussion in probably Game Four, Game Five of the Leafs in Tampa Bay. Going, have you been watching the rest of the Eastern Conference here? Yeah. We are watching a team that can come out of this series and say they bought the, you, you get through Tampa Bay, you've got a real shot <laughs> at a conference <laughs> final. <laughs> you didn't even let me finish my <laughs> sentence before you. Jen, God, Jen, how? is there a box of tissues how? anywhere in well, the building? I got some napkins here. I <laughs> It reminds me of, like, the liar, liar, the I've had better, where he just keeps remembering throughout the once in a while. It's just like, ah, how? How? How did they not get it done? You can see that, though. Oh, yeah. But I, I, after watching all the hockey that I've watched, if, uh, I think the Blues are, have a chance to make it a series, but if Colorado is in the third round into the final, I have a really tough time seeing anyone knock them off no if you he asked me to put my money on someone right now the abs look real yeah, good they do you know tampa's deep, deep fast hurt deep and, fast strong they're just they got the total package and just to that earlier point about kucherov again against toronto you said he was sick he was apparently, not feeling apparently well he's not feeling well last week yeah according to uh, a joe yeah. smith column i read from the other just, day. i think he's just warming up now oh that move he made where it just, now you see me, now you don't. Well, he's just going too fast where and, you have to make a decision and guess. And then the pass across, and I love the almost, like, disrespectful finish by Corey Perry. He's I, like, I, he's like, I got to shoot this in the net before I go over to Kucherov and be like, holy crap, what a play. I thought massive. Uh, one of those goals that looks super easy for Corey Perry, but 
It's a hot pass coming cross body. He's got a one time. Like it's he's, he's but court. he ain't missing I know, that. But it's he a made it look so out easy. Hundred. I think that's a goal where if you pass it to your beer league buddy, it goes in about I don't know no, two I, out of ten times. If you had a teleported me into that spot, I'm talking that ten times out of ten. You're you're a good good player though. No no no, I'm not. <laughs> think so, Kipper? Kipper, you look at you looking me the sideways eyes there. You don't think I'm talking that? Uh, here's what I'm telling yeah. you. I'm catching that pass. Oh, <laughs> I am. I'm not one time in that. I'm catching it and shooting it. One stride. I'm Eric Johnson. I'm, I'm snapping you like a twig before you're even <laughs> in the slot. Yeah, you're not getting that okay. far off the rink. Not, not a chance. That's why I said if you teleport me into that, <laughs> that spot, spot, that very spot. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, we'll we'll see what happens tonight. But uh, this Florida team goes down. Uh, it's two nothing. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, if, yeah. if they go down two nothing, I think there's a potential for four or five. I'm minutes. much more I likely really to bye bye St. Louis if they lose tonight. I think Florida has that type of team that can really catch fire. Um, but this to me is a team that is facing the questions about winning that people have asked about Toronto. Can your guys produce in the big moments? Can you get to the inside of the rink? You know, Jovo said like a little bit too perimeter forcing plays through the middle. Tampa takes away the seams. Like if you've been talking about yeah. Toronto, you're like, and that's where, that's where check, Tampa check, check, just check, check, check. gets it. They get it. Everything has to eventually come to the middle of the ice and if we've got good sticks, if we're big guys, we block shots. I mean, and you don't see them we'll taking, prevail. You don't see them making the home run shot very often, trying to sauce it over three sticks through yeah. through the middle to get to their. You know, yeah. they're they're content when they gotta you know chip it out. They'll wait. They're patient. They, that that to me is what comes with success is a patience of being able to wait. Just touching uh, a little bit, if we're gonna maybe talk about uh, a, a game changer in Kucherov. You watch the New York Rangers fall a little short. Yeah. I watch a guy like Panarin who has Kucherov qualities. Qualities. And, and there's just something a little bit missing from Panarin. Mm. You like him, Sammy? Mm. He's just in and out. In and out. In and out. It's very simple. But I, 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 Correct. Think, I think Kucherov is in now. Like, yeah. I think we're about to see, like, this guy is one of the only two guys in, how many guys was it that have had multiple 30-point playoff seasons? Like, five or six? Yeah, like, I think like, we're about to see that from him. I definitely think he's more in than Panarin is. It's just, Panarin has shifts where you don't want your super-duper star to be like, is he playing? You know, like, there's moments where you don't notice him. He, he did score the overtime winner to send him the second round, but I don't, I, there's times I don't notice him. I just wonder if, if a guy like uh, Panarin and a coach like Gerard Gallant mm-hmm. are on the same page because Gallant's old school, man. Sometimes it's like, keep it simple, stupid. The old hey, kiss theory. Do you still do that, though, with skill guys today? Like, I feel like three guys per team are, like, uncoached, where, where they're just like, you just go do the point yeah. thing, and everyone else, the rules applies to you. I don't know if that's the case. Some of the old school guys hate that, I know, but I know, it feels I, I, like that. For for one second, I wouldn't think, yeah, George is a pretty smart guy and right. a very successful guy. He would never put the handcuffs on this guy. Right. But if you're not getting to the middle of the ice, mm-hmm. he almost looks like a guy like Panarin would turn around and and, and blame a system before he would look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, sorry, I was just... I was just about to praise Connor McDavid for getting to the middle every time he wants to. Um, just quickly before we go to break, quick PGA Championship update: Rory McIlroy minus five. I just wanted to uh, point out that on a six hundred and uh, over six hundred fifty yard par five, 
Scotty Scheffler reached in two and hit the, the eagle putt. Uh, 650? Three, yeah, he hit a 308 yard three wood to seven feet. <laughs> 308? Three wood to seven feet and hit you, the putt. You choked so, down on the club, didn't want to hit it too far? I, you got to see the video. The swing is just so sick. Anyway, I, I had to say that. As the host of the golf show, Saturday mornings on Sports at 590 The Fan, yes. I had to mention that. You know for sure the Leafs have been eliminated out of the first oh, yeah. round when Sammy's giving updates on oh. the PGA. And, and keep in mind, those are coming more frequently <laughs> oh, in the yeah. days ahead. <laughs> let's, just, let's just throw to it live right now. <laughs> Here's Jim Nance. Thanks for watching. <laughs> we will go to break and come back. Uh, We're not going to the PGA, I promise you. Uh, Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, general manager, Yada, yada, yada. The list goes on forever. He's going to join us uh, when we come back. Real Kipper and Bourne. Stay with us. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Update for the Boston Bruins. We heard from Cam Neely earlier in the show. Lawton needs three minutes. We'll catch up with Brian Lawton, who Sammy says needs three minutes. He needs three minutes. I could use three minutes. Let's all just take, <laughs> let's all just take a break. <laughs> we could all use three minutes. Let's talk about the PGA. <laughs> Minus five, Rory. Yeah, leading. And what were the odds on Rory? I don't even know. Might have been what sixteen hundred. Like, he's, he's in the usually in the fifteen to one range, fourteen yeah. to one range. They love they they love the the big name guys putting them sort of with not great odds because they know all the dumbos will bet on them. Did we get <laughs> any uh, explanation on mm. Phil not defending like yeah. an official? Uh, hey, that's a great question. Was there a, any anything official on like? Uh, and the reason is. No, you don't know, eh? I don't know. Well, I, I know I, everyone just knows you can't say terrible, awful things about brutal yes. Saudi regimes. However, um, you think they'd at least put out a press release or something. I think they did, just stipulating that he won't be around to defend, but... But they don't announce, like, suspensions or punishments or anything. They just kind of do it in quiet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's probably going to go play in the, the Saudi tour, which is the opening weekend, The uh, I guess it's the live tour. The opening weekend's the same weekend as the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's. So, I'm going to guess Phil's going to show up for their event. Probably, yeah. Nice. Uh, so you want to hear uh, some really damning stats about Mike Smith playing in Calgary? Very much so. He has a 522 goals against average and an 852 save percentage in his last five games in Calgary. <laughs> 852? Uh, yes, 852. He only gives five up to- five and a half goals a game. Yeah. When I think of like... Always the worst. I always go 880. Like, I don't even know what it is, but yeah. I'm like, you can't have an 880. No, you don't get to be an 880. Now in, I got to say, NHL. you can't have an 852. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, I can't imagine Koskinen's is much better. So I don't blame them for going back to Mike Smith. I think it's their best chance to win. You want to sneak in a, uh, while we wait for Brian Lott, you want to sneak in a Daryl Sutter? Uh, which one do you want? Yeah, let's actually let's sneak in Daryl Sutter here. It's yes. a quick one. Yes. Eric Francis asked him if there's any correlation between okay. the 80s yes. hockey and now. And have a really good listen because he gives a great answer. A lot of people will say this reminded them of hockey in the 80s when it was a lot more wide open. Do you see the parallels at all? None. 
But humor the guy with the question. No, no, no. There's no humor. Score a lot. They score a lot. No, he humored me. (laughs) He gave me humor. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like, was humorous. We always give Keith a hard time for talking a lot, but boy. The Kippers, Clippers, and Calgary would be a lot shorter than they are Guys, here. They it would bury our show if Daryl Sutter was the head coach. No, of the it Leafs. wouldn't. It would be even better because <laughs> we just have more time to dissect it. Yeah. And the clip the Kippers Clippers are all about what did he really mean? Right. And Sutter, I will say, he beats around the bush around those sort of things. Sometimes he's he's pretty direct, but so I, I felt for Francis when he was on our show and you're asking him about being with Sutter and he was like, yeah, he's pretty hard on us. Like, clearly he is hard on them. Now, what would he have said to the boys after that game behind closed doors? Lots. I'm deaf. This place is just I'm going deaf. uh you know where. How are you, pal? I, I am doing fantastic. I'm in one of your old stomping grounds, riding trains, planes, and automobiles to get to work. And uh, of course, I'm in New York. Yeah, and uh, it's great. It's great to be here, Kipper. Nice. Um, and you know, how's the overall f- Ranger love in New York City? You know, I don't think a lot of people really believe they'd be able to have success in the playoffs. Uh, the first round was a very pleasant surprise, and as you know, in this town, uh, once people start to jump on board, it's massive. And Ranger talk and support has been massive since they got by the Pittsburgh Penguins. So what was the uh, the takeaway from their first game of, of that series? Carolina uh, turned it on and found a way through. Did, do you see a, a world where the Rangers can, can win some games and maybe a series there? I definitely see a world where they can win some games. I thought that was the best possible start they could have had last night. Gallant did a great job of changing things up. They threw a couple schemes that, to be honest with you, I watch a lot of Ranger games, and I never saw from them all year long. They looked like they stole a page from Bear Bryant and were running the I formation to start <laughs> defensively. Yeah. And it really, it really confused Carolina. Eventually, Roddy Brindamore made some great, great adjustments, changes lines around. And uh, the Hurricanes looked like the Hurricanes, which unfortunately for the Rangers, just one period was enough for them to, to break through. Now, I will say Antti Ranta really stood on his head. If not for him, I think the Rangers would have been up 2 or 3 nothing, and I don't think they would have lost. When, when I look at Carolina's uh, season, and I even go back to when the Toronto Maple Leafs played them early, and it was like this, they were the team that uh, I think Sheldon Keefe talked about being a real measuring stick kind of team, and we'll know where we're at with a, a team like Carolina, and we all had this feeling that Carolina was going to be as much of a top team as anyone in the East, and uh, it's going to have to maybe go through Carolina. And here we are now going into the second round. They're still around, of course, advancing. But has the shine come off Carolina a little bit? And can we just point to the fact that maybe they they lost Frederick Anderson or is there more? But it just doesn't seem to be a team that I, I, I look at maybe as dangerous today as they were even like November or December. I think if we could measure sentiment, you'd be exactly correct. I think people have kind of forgotten about them. You know, one thing that 
Skipper, you know as well as anyone, is that the really special or secret sauce for Roddy Brindamore's team is they're very repeatable. Their performances generally don't sway the way most teams do. What you see is what you get. It comes at you on a Tuesday, a Friday night, a Sunday afternoon. It doesn't matter. It's pretty close to the same thing. Why I think people are down is because there's no real superstars there. Now, Jordan Stahl is a beast, way more important player than we give him credit for. But he's not going to fall into a superstar category. He's kind of like Deneau was last year for Montreal, except he's been doing it forever, better than Deneau. So uh, there's just not a lot to grab onto. Sebastian Ajo is a very, very good player, but not a superstar. Sweshnikov is a very, very good player. Maybe he'll be a superstar, but he isn't now. Uh, it's a strong decor, really led by two guys that are above the rest, and they just play very consistent. It's very repeatable, and Roddy gets the most out of that group. I'd say Roddy is the most notable item of that team, is the coaching and kind of the living legend that he is in terms of his reputation with players. Yeah, I thought he was a name that could have got some love for the Jack Adams. I don't know that we mentioned on the show the finalists were announced as Daryl Sutter, Gerard Gallant, and um, Andrew Burnett were, were named that. So just throw that out there. Um, so when you're looking at the other series in the East here, the, the Tampa Bay-Florida one, who do you like? You got four teams left in the East. Is there, uh, is there a clear favorite to you? Is this still anyone's, anyone's show? Well, you can always figure out who I like because I have to publish a bracket every year and uh, (laughs) um, you would notice that I took Tampa to beat Toronto but I did not take Florida to beat Washington well but I still I'll still stick with Tampa to beat Florida though and Tampa's just so professional they don't strike me as strong as they've been in the past but it's like they're magical when they need it Vasilevsky was average for his standards at best against Toronto except in the final game, where he was exceptional. That is part of who they are. Lots, uh, once upon a time when you were in Tampa Bay, you had a goaltender named Mike Smith. Uh, Did you think in 2022 uh, you'd be watching Mike Smith uh, start for a a team that's supposed to be contending uh, for a Stanley Cup in the number one position? And uh, if so... What are you thinking after watching game one in Calgary? Well, I, I never thought about that, obviously. Yeah. But, I, you know, I can say one thing about Smitty. He is a supreme athlete. You know, at 40 years old, I never thought he'd be where he is today. Good for him. It's been a bit of a tumultuous season, but he's still shown flashes of brilliance. And when you add it all up for Smitty, I mean, every time I look at it, I shake my head a little bit, but his numbers are so fantastic in the play, playoffs. It's just shocking that he's in the top five save percentages ever for goalies that have played more than 50 games in the playoffs. Can he still do it? Yes, he can. We saw that against L.A. We saw it down the home stretch for Edmonton. Um, you know, and listening to Smitty, he was injured, to be fair. Unfortunately for Edmonton, they don't have any depth to goal. So when he was out, it was catastrophic for Edmonton. Did he play not very good the first game? Yeah, you could say he played terrible. One thing about Smitty is he's one of those guys that if he gets 
shelled one night and say, Smitty, you got to forget about it, he'll very quickly answer you, forget about what? So yeah. we'll see if he'll be able to do that in game two because he does need to forget about that start and see if he can get back to playing the way that he was for the most part. You know, L.A. exposed him a couple times. Smitty shot himself in the foot in game one, which cost the team the game. But he is still a supreme athlete, and he's also a supreme leader. We haven't talked about it, Kipper, but Calgary is a very, very tough team. Mike Smith is one of the tougher players on the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> if push comes to shove. He really is. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. And he's uh, does not – no, you don't handle the puck like Mike Smith in the NHL unless you're supremely confident. So I have no doubt in his ability to back, uh, you know, to back it up and come back with a good game too. Um, one thing I want to get your thoughts on lots um, is your – what's going on here in Toronto? You, when Kipper introduces you on our show, it's like a three-minute intro, former player, agent, GM, it's like nine different things. Entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So you would have a good sense. Exactly. What do you, what do you think about – you know what Brandon Shanahan has said and Dubis and Keith and that no one is going anywhere and everyone's just kind of, you know, in, in air quotes here, running it back. Uh, you know what? I was probably one of the few people I, I've been on your show before a number of times. I always say the same thing because I, nothing has changed for me with regard to Toronto. It's just asset allocation. They have never gotten it quite right. Some of it has been born out of loyalty, I think, for from Kyle Dubas to certain players he signed. I think they're going to end up where I was saying they should be two and three years ago, which is they have to take some of the money that's in one of their big forwards and allocate it into other parts of the team if you want to get over the hump, if you want to, for instance, win a first round. Now, this was a tough draw for them to be fair, but it wasn't so tough in that the Tampa Bay Lightning necessarily had their A game every night. Uh, I, I actually thought Toronto was going to beat them in how they played through certainly the first four, four or five games of the series. Um, in the end, it did take Tampa everything they could muster, but Toronto certainly had an opportunity. I just think you have to go back to what I said originally and allocate more money. You want to win in the playoffs because Toronto proved me 100% wrong. They had 115 points, 54 wins, but I still don't think they're built to win in the playoffs. If they make that adjustment, if they're willing to trade a Willie Nylander and maybe put some of those assets into strengthening their blue line, perhaps doing something with their goaltending, then yes, they have the makings of a really great team. And I think for that reason, Brendan Shanahan the bosses that be above him decided to roll it back for one more year. But I have to think, no matter what happens next year, uh, if they don't get out of the first round, then none of these guys will continue on. I personally would have made that decision also, and I know your fans are probably screaming right now, but partly because I don't think you can bring somebody else in at this time, and they're going to be able to fix it. So why not let the guys that created where they're at today. Well, take one more okay. shot at it. I, I, I'll, I'll play the opposite side here and say, yeah, he, he can fix it. If, if Kyle goes in and says, to your point, I'm not trading Nylander. I'm not allocating money elsewhere. We can win with the same team again. 
if you went and got another general manager and he came on board to what you just said is I will trade Nylander then there's the difference between one guy making a, a potential difference and one not. So um, if, in fact, Kyle doubles down or triples down on the same roster and brings them all back and tweaks his third and fourth liners, is that enough for you? No. I, I think that he's been obstinate in terms of his refusal to make you know, what I have felt was an obvious change for a couple of years now. I think he's going to be forced into that decision. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, you know, you, if you're going to stay on, I'd have to imagine that there was some meeting, at least if, it had, if I had been one of the people that made the decision for the organization, I would have wanted to meet with Kyle and say, okay, tell me what you're thinking from here. If he told me we're going to roll it back again, we're going to have to try to figure out what to do with Morazic. If you, you know, these are these are meetings where you don't hold back. What gets said to the public and what gets said behind private uh, doors is different. So, if he said those things, then yes, I absolutely think that Shani and Kyle should be back. But if they're not willing to do that, then I would have went the other way and said we got to get somebody with a fresh set of eyes that maybe has a different perspective. What's well, funny? So you can't. Yeah, you can't come out and say that, though, right? I mean, they they have to find, you know, a willing taker. And there'd be lots of people that would take Nylander, but that doesn't mean they'd give you what you want right. or a great return. So the public has to understand that. Even though everyone wants transparency in today's world, you can't say everything before you do it or you handicap the club. And obviously, the GMs in the league are very smart. They're not in the business of making their own job harder. It's a really good point. Yeah, you don't want to be dealing from a position of weakness that you create yourself. Um, you know, how common is it that there is not decisions made prior to these end-of-the-year meetings? And I'm asking because we heard Cam Neely say today about uh, Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy, that the him and Sweeney were going to meet and kind of decide what to do about Cassidy. It, you know, do you believe that they're heading into those meetings truly going, I don't know if we're going to fire this guy or not, or, or is it mostly like decisions are, are made by the time you get to this point? In that particular case, I do believe they haven't discussed it together because, as Cam alluded to today, he wanted to see how the season played out. And I believe that to be true. In the middle of the year, there was a lot of rumors floating around out there that if Boston doesn't get things done, Don Sweeney may not be back. I think Don Sweeney's done a real good job there. Uh, very, Everybody's going to make mistakes. We can pick Lint off the $1,000 suit all day long. They did get 100-plus points. Um, I love the move for Lindholm. I'm not as crazy as the moves or the amount of money that they put into Forbort, Riley, Grizzlick, all three of those guys over $3 million, Grizzlick being the highest, the other two at three. Um, you know, I, I think Cam was being transparent. I just don't think he would have sat down with Donnie before the year. He would have left that open. Now that he's made the decision that Donnie has done enough, um, they're going to sit down and try to figure that out. What happens with Bruce? I don't know, but Bruce is a guy that I've been really impressed with because he got an early start in life in the NHL. It didn't go well. He went back to the drawing board. He worked at it, and he is a much better coach today than he was when he coached the Washington Capitals. So I give him a lot of credit. I think he's done a really, really good job 
again, um, lots. It'll be just fine. We draw the parallels between uh, Brendan Shanahan and, and Cam Neely uh, on almost back-to-back days, and 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 the vibe, and. We had uh, Cam talk about changes, right? Uh, it was abundantly clear. There's going to be changes either in the way we play or with personnel. And then we've got the Brandon Shanahan where we're not making changes just for the sake of making changes. Where are you on making changes sometimes just for that sake don't like to make changes just for the sake of change. Uh, but is it really everybody. Is it really just for a change, or is it you're changing a philosophy, you're changing um, uh, a, a program, a belief, aren't you? You never really change just for changing. You're changing something. I, I agree. If the goal is to bring a certain element to the organization that you don't already possess, then yes, you're going to make changes. You're going to try to add players that can do that. I feel like Toronto has tried all the passe things that you can. I don't want to necessarily say trite, but, you know, we'll go out and get Joe Thornton. We'll go out and get guys that are winners, guys that are veterans. I feel like they've tried all that. Um, You know, what do they do from here? I think they're in mad scramble mode right now in terms of, you know, how do we deal with some of the players that we're going to lose because of our cap position? And to me, everything would start there. Do we want to give an asset away to move Peter Mrazek? That would be at the top. Are we not going to sign certain unrestricted free agents that scored 20 goals that are really good penalty killers? We don't even need to name names here, but... I would be looking hard at what direction you go there. And then the big one, of course, are we going to free up some money so we can bring in some players that are going to make a significant difference so that next year we don't have the same outcome. But that would, should be the thought process. It may be in any order, depending on the manager and, and Brendan's personal view of it. But you'd have to think at some time you're cycling through those options, trying to come up with the best decisions. I would love to roll back the core that they have minus one key piece but at the same time i'd love to see them build a stronger blue line with maybe a little bit more mobility and to somehow strengthen their goaltending you know lots one thing one last question for me before i hand you back to kipper here i just want to get your thoughts on coaches who aren't with an nhl team right now that are available you know how many of these big names do you think we'll see back in the league? Joel Quenville is a name that's come up. Mike Babcock is still out there. Um, you know, Claude Julien is still available. Do you think we're going to see a, a bunch of guys who bigger names come back to the league soon? I believe that Barry Trotz, 100%. Yes. I believe that nobody knows on Joel Quenville. Okay. That's really between the league and Joel. Certainly, uh, it's clear to me in talking to people that, you know, there's a lot of people on the hunt for coaches. Everybody that can't make the massive player changes they'd like to are looking at their coaching position and saying, would that give us an edge? Would that give us a leg up? Would that maybe help us the way Barry Trotz, who was let go this year, maybe the way he did when he joined the Islanders and completely reinvented the program? 
so yes, I, I don't see any change um, in terms of you know the number of guys. Gallant did a lot, you know, fired by a couple teams. Comes in, he had a great year, enough so that Daryl Sutter's saying he should win the Jack Adams Award. So uh, experience coaching is still at a premium in the National Hockey League. Lots. Of, I want to come back. Uh, I'm going to let you go after this. I promise. Um, but I'm going to come a little back. Uh, I'm going to beat a dead horse um, and and ask you about what you said earlier about uh, uh, cashing in some assets to free up some money, uh, i.e., a, uh, a William Nylander. Is Kyle Dubas is his best bet to get value back this summer, or potentially uh, in the next season? all the way to a trade deadline. Honestly, Kipper, that's a, you know, that is a question that would be unanswered at this time, but the process is very clear. You would go, you would go into the summer thinking that I'm going to try to move mountains. And if I see the right deal, I'm going to pull the trigger in the summer and try to get, make the changes that I want all year long. I'm also going to take a look at what's available out there. And then I have to ask myself and my staff, if you're the GM, is it going to be available maybe next year before the trade deadline? Uh, the answer to that is probably no. And that would force, should force the manager to want to be a little more aggressive. Fortunately for Toronto, there are a number of other teams that are heavily in the market looking to make changes. So I do think there'll be a lot of options for this team if they decide to go that direction. Lots. Appreciate your time. Sorry about the dropped calls every once in a while. That's okay, Kipper. I know that you'll <laughs> pay the bills and everything will be great. Brian Lawton, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Lots. Okay, let's bring in Sammy back because uh, I want to just pick up on this. Again, the message was clear during their press conference. Yeah. But do you see any scenario where Kyle finally moves? Yes. Oh, see, I didn't even finish the question. Felt it coming. Was it Willie? Is it a Willie question? Did yeah. I jump the gun? Well, Willie or, yeah. I mean, it, it would be bolder to suggest that uh, they would move Marner, but it doesn't appear like you would ever want to move Marner. But a Willie would make sense. Could you see by next September that they say, um yeah, we're gonna move that we're gonna move that money and we're gonna we're gonna put it into a third liner and a defenseman. I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's I think it's for the sake of doing it, for the change, the big change. But I would rather uh, But they're not gonna make a change for the make, sake of making a change. But I also heard Ed Joe talk about getting inside today, and I was like, God, just that's but trading Willie would be a side guys. Trading Willie is the definition it's, of making a change for the sake of making a change. Because he had a great year. And listen, and he is what he value. is. If, he is what he is. And if they don't trade Willie as early as this summer, they still have a very good hockey team. Yeah. Like does not get it's lost. It's not hard to see a good team coming back. Let's not get lost in the fact that they've got this explosive team with their stars. Mm-hmm. And that will carry them into competing with Tampa Bay next year and Florida and Carolina once again. The question is, do you believe, though, 
if it is around the same parameters, that one year later that they'll find a bounce and they'll just yeah find themselves the way St. Louis did be good forever and have a year the rounds. way Washington did be good forever and find a year just got to find so, one year I've never been a trade wheelie guy I really I really haven't I've never been you got to trade them I'm more I'm open to same. it now that's what I mean I'm more open to it now because why not I because don't know. something I, uh, like Colton Pareko is like the like fantasy for me. This is like giant right shot guy that like oh can play. Three. But like would Doug Armstrong no. want Willie? No, no. Well, no, he would he's want. Gonna, he's going to lose uh, Tarasenko. Is he not? Uh, I guess so. He's His UFA. deal's done. One more year. He's one more year. It's seven point five. Oh, he does have one more year. Yeah. Pareko goes from oh my god. Pareko goes from five five to six five next year. 6-5 until 30, 2030. That's a pretty valuable contract right there. That is. Pareko's, sometimes he's not healthy. Sometimes he's got a bad back. I If I'm trading Willie, it's for a, a guy like a JT Miller or like sure. a guy that plays forward and scores but adds a different element. Would Mitch because Marner, we does talk, he have a no movement? No, Marner doesn't until. Would, not, would he would want to? Marner. Would he? No, you wouldn't. Never. But, but let's say he was, I don't know, unhappy. Keep in mind, if I'm not mistaken, Willie's two years away from UFA. So whoever's trading for him is going to have him jump from 6.9 to probably in the eights. I think that's probably Eight? fair. Eight. Well, it depends on what happens with the cap. Everything goes up. It's inflation. But yeah. I, I would feel like you would just get the exact same contract because that's no. No, 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 no. This is 35, 40 goal scores. It's like uh, that's just the going rate for 35, 40 goal scores. I, yeah, Bill's, I, Bill's 26. You, he just turned 26 you, you, in May. You can say whatever you want about Jack Campbell, but just go look at 30 game winners in the NHL to find out where 30 game winners for goalies, yeah. for goalies are paid. So Willie has two more years. He'll he'll be 26 this whole next season, 27 the whole next season. Then he's going to go to UFA off like a couple of 80 point seasons, another 30 goal season or two. Eight might be light. <laughs> might be light. <laughs> you know? He's going to be the greatest national predator <laughs> of might, all time. Might be light. <laughs> um, uh, there was something that Lot said when you guys were talking to him that's just always been a fascination of mine about this team and it's just the fresh set of eyes the fresh set of eyes looking at this squad is that's why there's never a change for the sake of making a change because it is a fresh set of eyes you're exactly right i've always wondered well then what how about happen. this you know they fire assistant coaches and keep the head coach all the time they say we want a couple of new guys we see that could dubis could they say to dubis all right you can be the gm but we need you need new guys at your side you need two new AGMs next year, people with different ideas, because this ain't working. Interesting. Well, um, one of them's uh, Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence Gilman. Gilman. Brandon he, I think I, I, all I heard he's done. The... Oh, really? That's what I heard. heard. Oh. Again, um, yeah. just what I'm hearing. Okay. That he's not he, He's not coming back. So there's him and Pridham and his. Pridham, but Pridham's the, he's the a, cap yeah, guy. Yeah, he's the cap guy. Yeah, he, he's the guy that figures out everything with the cap. And these, this team needs a guy that's pretty good with the cap. Yeah. That's something that's important because they're dancing around it at all times. I don't know. I trading trading Willie is fascinating because it's just a new it's the new toy effect. 
right? Mm-hmm. Seeing what you could get. Like, transactions are sexy, but I don't necessarily think it's the right move. you forward group, and all of a sudden there's no Nylander or Mikheyev next year, and you're like, eh. I don't know. I, my take came around. I'll drive I'll drive Mikheyev to the airport. No, I'm fine. I'm fine yeah. with that. But Again, you're, saying, you're ready my, to my take. My take came around. It was awful in the playoffs, boys. It gave him I nothing. I don't think he can take control of a game. You know, like, he can be a guy who shows up. Yeah, he's when, just... This is his first year as a guy that's being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's, Again, here's, I, I'm always going to go back to this, but where, where is where is the, the, the ask and how realistic and are you putting guys in positions to succeed? Like McCabe may need two playoffs, maybe three to get it. Now, mm. I don't know where that matches up in his development and when's old, too old. McCabe's whole thing has been getting to the paycheck, M- which he M- hasn't got yet. What, what the Leafs needed, and I'll just go back to my sh- or our show yesterday, McCabe would have been perfect if he was 22 or 23 to have the year that he had. Mm-hmm. This is like, like under like four years or five years of pro hockey development and not when you're 27 or 28 Turns because 28 in October you're 28 now he needed this experience for the Leafs four years ago yeah and bunting the same thing if bunting was like Hagel can we can can we kind of compare the two a little bit mm. sure right two non very impactful guys in the first series first round no but they're they're the potential is there for them to be 50 or 60 point guys? Yeah, that's fair, for sure. Right? Would you McKayev trade two, would 20 you, and 50 games? Would you trade two firsts for uh, Michael Bunting? No. <laughs> well, Not at 26 or 27. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe if he was Hagel's age, how old's Hagel? 22 or 23? Yeah, young, like yeah, that. younger. So it's just, it's unfortunate. But you would not be driving McKayev to the airport. Right. You would be so excited about his next three or four years if he wasn't turning 28. I have I have a one paragraph written for my article to, tomorrow, and the first sentence is, as a Leafs observer, I will miss Ilya McKayev. I really will. But, like, you know, and then I go on, and it's just like there's he's not coming back. He, um, he was a 14.3% shooter this year after seasons of shooting, like, 5 and 6%. But, and like, cause I, I don't know he's going to get paid. I, he will get paid, and... I think the team that gets him will benefit from the great leaf development for him. For sure. And he will be better next year based on the experience that he had. The Leafs will not be able to benefit from that, but the team that signs him now will get him with more seasoned, a little bit more experience. Thanks, salary cap. Appreciate that. Right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, salary cap sucks. Can we play this Daryl Sutter clip before we go? Sure. The the one about all the goals in the series about the yeah his thoughts night? on all the goals yeah last we, night Daryl Sutter yeah let's play it. We were told that it was a boring series last time, so I told the players yesterday we got to score seven to ten goals today, knowing full well that they'd probably score five to eight if we had, a, and then we could win. So that's what we did. <laughs> That's the exact same thing he said behind closed doors after the game of the players. Oh, yeah, yeah. We hey. score seven to ten boys just like we drew it up. Oh, I would imagine it would have been a different tone. It's funny because he's so understated to the media and just like kind of I'd love to see him in, I'd love to see him in the room. 
I just would be so fascinating to be a fly on a wall to see what he'd be like in the room. He is. He's turning himself into a performer. He really is. Well, I think as these coaches get older and more experienced, particularly the guys who've won, they they have more fun with it. Like, I don't know, you see him enjoying his press conferences. Like, Boudreaux's having a blast oh, he loves out it. there. Yeah. Um, oh, there's another one, too. But these guys, yeah, they seem very comfortable and enjoying themselves. John it's Cooper? The young, young guys who are just like, ah. What about John Cooper? John Cooper. He seems to enjoy it. Yeah. Coop's got all the answers. I hear um, Trotzel, Barry Trotzel make his, uh, a decision uh, maybe within a week. Really? Yep. Any, any indication? Philly wants him really badly. Hmm. I heard Chuck Fletcher thinks that uh, he's a he's the kind of guy that can come in and, and turn things around. I don't think Philly's that close, and I'm not sure if Trotz wants to go in uh, – and, and battle with that team the next few years in that division. But he's been living in the East Coast, right? Yeah. D.C., Long Island. Yeah. Is he going to go move to Winnipeg? No Winnipeg. It, the it, birthplace of winter. No, but he, he yeah, and he's from Manitoba, but I don't. Yeah. I heard that's not going to play in. But Winnipeg, again, uh, money, I thought, would be an issue. Apparently, it's not. They might be willing really? to stroke a big check for him to come in and uh, – Turn this franchise around, too. Both teams that could use some trots, like tighten up defensively the way he plays. So I, I, I get why th- both There's teams also want talk about Nashville going in in a managerial role, too. They just resigned Hines, eh? As a coach, two, yes, two, two additional did. years. All right. Our thanks to Brian Lawton, Ed Jovanovsky, and Cam Neely for Kippers Clippers today. And Panger. And Darren Pang. How can we forget Darren Pang? What a guy. What a guy. Back again tomorrow. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance.